Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/host. Calling Tau City. Turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. I'm tuning in to your transmissions. I'm moving, waiting to be found. And I'm building rockets. This is the Starship Sova, everybody. Welcome, hello, and welcome to show 658. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. Now, first off, I got a note off Fred, my editor there, our, our, our good editor, saying we've had a couple of notes saying that the sound has been a little bit quiet. Now, I don't know if that's oodles of time ago when the listener was listening or it's just these last few or or whatever but anyway i'm going to crank it up today so let us know starships over at gmail.com if it still is a little bit quiet do you know <laughs> anyway i'll tell you what's coming today sure we have the prayer by john wolf that is our story today i do hope you will stick around and enjoy it right there's off two things. I've just watched for the third time <laughs> Blade Runner, the, the Blade Runner, is it 49? Oh man, I just love that film. Love that. I watched it, the, this is the, the third time I've watched it, but the first time me and my sons watched it. And what a, just a moody classic film that is. Oh, fantastic, man. Honestly, just, just fun. I love it. Absolutely love it. What was the other thing I was going to say as well? <laughs> something else there I was like itching to tell you about and it just went straight from my mind anyway The Prayer by John Wolfe this story first appeared in Electric Spec on January 2020 
John Wolfe is a librarian lurking in the Pacific Northwest. When he's not shelving books or processing holes, he likes making things up and puttering them on paper. Putting them, not puttering them, putting them on paper. A graduate from the Washington State University of Vancouver, John has been writing and publishing for 10 years. His work has appeared in Tough Crime, Silver Blade, The Coffin Blossom. That's a great name, that as well, Anthology, and others. He sub... He subsists on a strict diet of coffee, bad movies and good podcasts. And you can find him at Twitter. And there's a little link there if you come over to the site. Now, this story is narrated by Anthony Babington. He is a voice actor who looks just slightly off from how he sounds. From his secret volcano lair in Minnesota, he narrates podcasts and leases his soul to corporate America. He's previously recorded for The Amazing Farfetch Fables, Tales to Terrify and The Curse. And you can find them at Twitter as well. Again, a link if you come over to the website. Website, no less. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present. The Prey by John Wolfe Something is wrong. It is too early to wake. They should still be in deepest sleep. Mother knows it with the same certainty as when to breed, hunt, and give birth. Youngest lies beneath her within easy reach. That need will leave him after thaw. Mating season is coming, and the bigger males will devour her cubs should they stay. But for now, her two cubs, youngest and upstart, are still hers. Mother leaves youngest to his slumber. Upstart, true to his nature, clambers out of the den without hesitation. The firstborn cub is brash and brave, but it clouds his senses. Upstart cannot appreciate the eerie stillness of this odd gray morning. The wood was always quiet during this time of sleep, but never completely still. But now no birds call from the treetops. Not a single creature stirs in the underbrush. Upstart fails to notice these strange signs, despite his sharp senses. Mother only grunts, and Upstart immediately steps aside. Mother is a magnificent beast. Her thick, protective fur still shines golden in the dim gray light. She takes a few cautious steps beyond the den and sniffs the cold air. Her kind are the greatest trackers in the entire wood. Neither predator nor prey could hide long. Upstart mimics Mother, sniffing out any possible new scents among the rotting leaves. When he nibbles her side for acknowledgement, she gives none. Something is wrong. Fire. Black smoke rises from the gully north of the den. Fire usually means the two legs, but Mother cannot smell them now. She would hear them, too. They always bring too much noise along with weak fires sweeping white smoke. Whatever burns black in the gully leaves a taste on her tongue, oily and bitter. Something lingers on her nose, something dry and flat as summer earth, but meaty, so strange. It would be safer leaving well enough alone. There are the cubs to protect, but she cannot and will not tolerate an intruder so near her den. Mother gives a hoarse bellow to the wood, challenging any enemy to come forth. They would flee or fight, but nothing answers. She shivers despite her armor-thick fur. This new silence is somehow worse than the black smoke. She plows the snow apart, leaving a clear path back to the den. Upstart trots behind her, 
happy for a new adventure. Mother hopes he learns from this. Attacking the source of the smoke head-on would be foolish. Better to skirt the perimeter, come in through the gully's mouth and trap whatever is out there. And whatever happens, it must be quick and efficient. She and the cubs should be resting till thaw. An interruption at the wrong time could spell disaster for all three. But she forgets this problem as a familiar smell comes, clean and crisp on the cold air. Blood. Fresh blood. Mother follows her nose and is rewarded with a game trail. Faint, yes. Hardly traveled this time of year, but she knows these woods well. Her woods. A birch torn down by winter ice lies off to one side. Yellowed scars score the white bark. Mother leans closer and smells an old acquaintance. She clears away a snowbank with one swipe of her claws. There they are, just below the surface. Round droppings scattered along the ground. It all tells the same story. Elk is nearby. While Mother inspects the trail, Upstart is drawn back by the black smoke. Curiosity has led to many wonderful finds before. He always flips over rotten logs and small boulders to sniff the hidden earth. Fat, greasy grub is always a welcome treat, too. Upstart knows Mother doesn't always approve, and frequently scolds him for it. But Upstart also knows what his mother is, what he will grow up to become. Why fear the wood? What could harm him? He turns and trots back up the path. Mother creeps further into the trail, stopping every so often to sniff out and pinpoint Elk's scent. The rich blood and sweat combined with the hardy musk of Elk's mate drive Mother into full-blown charge. Both might be injured, easier to take down and ensure her and the cub's future. Hunger and survival mask everything. There is only her prey now. She rounds another clump of fallen birch. Blood smears a patch of dead grass. Something crawled through here, legs kicking away drifts of snow and obscuring tracks. More blood lingers on branches far overhead. The white trees, white sky, and white snow are nearly blinding, but Mother no longer needs sight to hunt elk. She tastes him on her tongue. Wild, panicked, and wounded. Something has torn open his flesh and spilt his blood. She only follows the trail a little further and comes upon her prey. While never as mighty as Mother and her kind, Elk is to be respected in the wood. His crown can end many an unwary predator, his hooves slice deep and cruel as any claw. Mother has always seen him that way, but now Elk barely stands on shaking legs. His dark eyes widen as Mother makes her approach. There is no running from her. On the flatlands he might escape, but never injured like this. A primal red gash draws up high on Elk's flank. Some of the blood has stopped, but more than enough lies frozen at his hooves. Bone grinds against bone inside the ragged wound, like ice on a freshly thawing lake. Whatever caused it is of little matter. Whatever it was abandoned a good kill. Or perhaps the other predator could not catch elk. Mother can. She circles her prey and makes to trap him in a narrow lane of trees. Then she sees the remains of elk's mate. Mother thinks it could have been another of her kind. But there are no tracks. No scent and none ever hunted like this. The gut is worse than Elk's leg wound. Mate lies on her side, belly split open from throat to groin. Mother thinks Cougar might be to blame, but her entrails still steam in the snow. 
The great cats would never abandon a fresh kill, even if Mother were approaching. She shakes off this strange sight. There is still the matter of elk. His mate alone could feed all three of them, but an extra layer of fat will be better. Mother is grateful, and so will make quick work of him. A collision, a brief struggle in the snow, and her jaws will find elk's throat. There is that understanding between them, at least. It is the way of this world. The prey runs, the predator gives chase, and their young go on living. Youngest and upstart can grow strong off this kill, extending Mother's kind for another two generations. Mother looks for her troublesome cub. Nothing. Elk uses the distraction to escape further into the birch. She cannot give chase with a cub missing, and Elk's mate is not going anywhere. Mother leaves the body and charges back along the snowy game trail. The den still lies quiet and undisturbed. The gully, then. There is no cautious stalking now, not with a cub in danger. Low-hanging branches burst apart in her pursuit. The black smoke grows fainter on the sky, but even halfway up the slope its stench chokes her. Fear of fire claws inside, but the need to protect her cub strikes harder. Mother clears the lip of the gully and looks down through a wall of black smoke. Upstart stands alongside a small stream. Before sleep, Upstart and Youngest played here, slapping the water with their paws. Now the water has become fire. Mother rushes to Upstart's side, stepping between him and the flames. Unlike her cub, Mother remembers the last great fire, how the hair on her haunches had smoked. Every animal in the wood fled that time, predator and prey together, as their world was devoured by crackling flames. Bands of scar tissue ripple beneath Mother's fur as a reminder. This fire will never reach the same size and fury of that one. Heavy snow and ice keep it contained to the gully. Her cub's safety assured, Mother inspects from a safe distance and peers through the flames. A shape finally materializes through the flickering walls of heat and shadow. Mother was wrong. It is the two legs. It could be no one else. Two legs always come with another beast. Horrid, snarling, snorting things swiftly carrying their masters over land or water. The squat object in the fire's center is surely one of them. Twin tracks lead out behind it. Mother knows where they lead. The open plain. Beyond that is Two Legs territory. Every year they come from the plain with their beasts to hunt their own prey. Upstart, apparently a little braver now, creeps closer to the fire. Before Mother can push him away, the wind shifts and covers them in black smoke. It stings her eyes and smothers her nose, leaving her almost entirely blind to whatever danger lurks in the wood. Long trails of snot drip from her nose and freeze on the ground. Mother backs out of the smoke, instincts sharp as her claws. With her sense of smell temporarily crippled, every shadow and rustle in the bush are potential threats. A voice comes through the cold, sending terror spiraling up Mother's spine. McCleary, come in! Anybody there? Shit! Come in! Over! Mother instinctively rears up and roars. The voice is so close. Only two legs never need to be close to bring her pain. They have taken her kind from afar in the past, a mate and a cub. When challenged on open ground, in close quarters, that is when the two legs feel fear. Only the voice continues unafraid. The ground shakes as Mother comes back down onto all fours. 
This strangeness warrants closer inspection. She rounds the fire, keeping Upstart safely behind her. Two legs waits in the snow for her, outstretched flat on the ground. A black object rests in one hand, pointed directly at Mother's head. She flinches back, tearing up the earth with her claws. Two legs wears the false forest colors. They use it to hide among the trees to hunt, another of their deadly tricks. Mother sniffs, listens. No breath. No heart. This male will harm nothing ever again. Whatever disemboweled elk's mate carved two legs in half. What mother took as a single predator was really two pieces. The lower half smokes near the flames. The upper body had some life left in it in the end. A path of blood and entrails tells the story. Two legs died screaming, clawing through the snow and choking on his own fear. And he did not die alone. Another of his kind burns away to blackened bone in the flames. The strange object in Two Legs' grip continues on. Jesus, man, please tell me you're there! McCleary! Palmer! They... they overran us here! Sky just opened up and they came pouring out! Sheared open the gates like tin! If you can hear me, get moving north! The halved Two Legs is like Elk's mate. Something slaughtered them, but never consumed them. Say they don't like the cold. Just gotta keep moving. I don't know anymore. They're spreading out all over. Seattle's gone. I think the Americans bombed it. More in Victoria. It doesn't matter. We can't stop them. Mother leans in and nudges Two Legs' outstretched arm. Warm blood sticks to her nose, setting Mother's heart racing. The kill is fresh. We're going to Great Slave Lake. Try and make a stand. I think... I think we're all that's left. Mother crushes the squawking object beneath her paws. It hisses a final objection and dies. Two legs always make too much noise. Everything within the wood can either smell, feel, or hear them coming. Though not many would dare attack, let alone kill one. Mother ponders this, mouth agape and lower lip curled out. Perhaps wolf. They might attack elk if in a pack. Only Wolf never ripped its prey clean in half, or beheaded them. Mother scans the tree line, surveys the top of the gully. She and her cub are hemmed in here. The wood remains silent, but not empty. Mother can taste it clean as blood. Something is wrong. She turns upstart back up the gully. They should be inside the den. The den is sheltered, closed off from behind, and easier to defend. The extra meat Elk would have provided is too much trouble now. Mother can make do with his mate. She will secure the den, then secure the food, and it will have to last till thaw. Mother keeps urging Upstart forward. A high whistle warbles out of the trees. Mother turns, hoping it is only the squawking box. That second dry scent comes back on the wind. There is no life in it, none that Mother recognizes anyway. Trees beyond the gully shiver and something's passing, icy branches clacking and shearing apart. Upstart mules but does not run. Mother has taught her cubs well. The safest place to be is near her side. She lets out a harsh burst of air from between her teeth. The trees fall silent, but the unseen intruder still watches. Mother sniffs the air. It lurks beyond the fire, trying to hide within the weakening shadows. 
It does not stalk, and it travels alone. Mother can't even tell how many legs it goes upon. Dry branches and underbrush slide over rubbery flesh, like snake creeping along the ground. Mother backs up the slope, never taking her eyes off the gully. A tree explodes from unseen impact and crashes into the fire, sending sparks up like an angry nest of wasps. Whatever is coming will be on them soon. Mother rears back up onto her hind legs, stretches out her muscular neck, and lets loose a bone-shattering roar from her mighty jaws. Every tooth and claw readies for battle. The unseen intruder accepts her challenge with another whistling cry. The last line of brush at the gully's edge tears open, and the creature slithers into sight. Mother returns to all fours, ears twitching and nose quivering in wonder. It is unlike any of her brethren from the wood. The ruddy brown hide is completely hairless. It slithers and hops through the snow on a squirming mast of long, root-like legs. Only some of the legs hover above its body like snakes snapping at empty air with two sharp claws. It is not cougar. It is not wolf. If anything, it reminds mother of grub and worm and spider. It circles the fire, sliding over the empty ground like the stream over rocks. Mother's poor vision finally makes out the creature's eyes, a cluster of green orbs at the round head. The creature turns them upward to mother and upstart. A hooked beak slides out from between two red flaps below the head and pierces the air with another alien whistle. Whatever it is, it does not hunt. It killed Elk's mate and the two legs, leaving them to rot in the snow. It will try to do the same for Mother and her cubs. She charges. The steep gully walls aid her, turning her body into a battering ram with teeth. She aims for the creature's smooth sides. Nothing can stand up to a direct charge. It will fall beneath her weight and fury, flesh exposed and vulnerable to her swift claws and teeth. Prey has fallen like this before, reduced to nothing more than a bag of broken bones and meat. The creature leaps up at the last instant. Mother tries directing course, then stopping, but now the steep descent and her mighty frame work against her. Momentum drives her down clumsily into the snow and rock only a short distance from the fire. Then the creature is on her. The clawed limbs tangle up in her fur, pinching and biting her back. They soon worm through her armor and find flesh. Mother roars as bloody chunks are scraped away by the snapping limbs. She catches one in her jaws and bites down. It is like the flesh of giant grub. Bitter, bright blood spurts from between her teeth. Mother roars again, rearing up, trying to shake the creature from her back. It answers by unfolding its beak and reducing her shoulder to red ribbons. Mother slams back against the gully floor. If she can't tear this thing apart, she will crush it. They both land hard against the cold ground, but the creature squirms out from beneath her instantly after impact. Mother rolls over and backs away from her new enemy. This is all wrong. Nothing about this fight makes sense. There are too many limbs. She's never seen anything this large with a beak. And there's something far too familiar in those obscene green eyes. There's a certain cunning, a kind shared only by two legs. The green eyes flash as the creature stalks her around the fire, leaping from snowdrift to snowdrift in a frenzied mass of flesh. Mother breaks off and makes for the slope and her cub. 
The creature lashes out with its longest limb. Pain explodes from Mother's right rear leg. Bones turn soft as water and she collapses into the snow. The creature gives a triumphant cry and leaps down onto Mother's head. Snow and dirt clog her nostrils. Darkness swallows her eyes and bones fill with pain. Her shoulders tear open as several snapping claws lift and drag her back through the snow. Then she's flying through the air and colliding with the flaming wreckage. The smell of her own burning flesh comes back to her now. Suddenly she's a cub again, running scared, alone, and in pain through the wood, every other inhabitant fleeing for their lives, fear and flame becoming the entire world. The creature leaves her spent and dying in the snow. There will be no killing blow, at least not yet. There is no understanding with this creature like elk. Instead, it makes for upstart. The cub is halfway up the slope, standing his ground but shaking from top to bottom. When he cries out for mother, the creature answers with a shrill scream. Mother can barely rise to her feet, let alone charge. Everything in her body tells her to stop, and everything in her instinct forces her on. When she tries rolling back over, greater pain fills her entire leg. She finally secures some shaky footing and stands, grunting with effort. She leans to one side where the pain lessens. There still might be a way to attack, but this new enemy deserves a different tactic. An attack like last time will only end with her cub dead. Mother chuffs blood and frozen air. The creature blocks her view of upstart. Her new approach is hardly stealthy like cougar or wolf, but the creature is no longer concerned with her. It should be. The creature is certainly not from this cold land. Every animal in the forest, from elk to wolf, and even two legs, knows the rule. Never come between a mother and her young. Snapping arms writhe for Upstart's exposed throat, and then mother is back. The creature turns just in time to meet her open maw head-on. Bone cracks somewhere beneath the rubbery red skin, and the creature squeals in pain. Mother's teeth clamp down on a cluster of eyes, and more bitter fluid pops on her tongue. The creature squeals in pain and panic. It does not strike out with any limbs now. Every single one is focused squarely on wrenching away. Mother catches a mass of them in her mouth, but this time she does not bite. Instead, she pulls on the limbs like yanking apart stubborn tree roots. Flesh splits and tears, but Mother holds on, carrying the creature back down into the gully. She comes down hard on her injured leg, but keeps tugging, and finally swings the creature back into the flames. Now the two have come to an understanding. Flame seems to be a universal enemy. When it touches the creature's skin, Mother recognizes the fear rolling off it in waves. Now she uses her claws, ripping at the remaining eyes and weakened limbs as the fire attacks the creature from the rear. Her hair smolders and smokes, but Mother fights on. A few limbs slash again and again at her back and haunches. She ignores the stabbing pain from the fresh wounds. With each strike she bites down harder, thrashes the head violently, and finally something gives way inside the creature with a grisly rending. It collapses back onto the fire, and fresh flame devours the creature's hide. Mother wishes she could rear up again, smash the horrible thing into the ground again and again till nothing remains but mud but with each breath, more blood sprays across the snow. Despite the fire, cold takes root somewhere inside her. 
She takes Upstart by the nape and hurries up the slope. He isn't full-grown yet, but she still struggles to hold him in her mouth. Blood trickles out from between her teeth, turning his fur slick. Luckily, the cub remains motionless in her grip. Mother's mind fills with bottomless pain. She knows what the cold inside her means. Three cubs have come before these two. Two gave her harsh lessons in death. One taken by two legs, the second lost in a rushing river after thaw. But now, her young survive. Instinct tells her the cubs will be all right. Both will live if they can just make it back to the den. Mother is too focused to hear the broken whistling or scrabbling claws following her up the slope. Upstart roars in warning to his busy mother. Shaky, yes. Small, yes. But a defiant roar all the same. Upstart roars again. Mother finally turns her ringing head. A few of the creature's limbs still work. It clutches at whatever roots or rocks it can reach and hauls itself up to meet them. Mother reaches the top of the slope and lets Upstart go. She can smell her den and its dry, safe confines. Youngest is alone there, his soft breath echoing in her ears. Upstart does not run back home to join his brother, though. He stands and faces the next attack alongside Mother. The creature wrenches itself up the lip of the gully. Torn eyes and burnt flesh drip into the snow, draining its life bit by painful bit. Its longest, wicked arm still works. It snaps the pincers together and slashes through the air like a whip. The blood-stained beak glows in the coming dawn, hungry for more. Mother makes ready for her final charge. Upstart does likewise. The creature, far more cunning than Mother gave it credit for, hunkers down into the snow, attack arm raised. It will go for the top of her neck, try and lodge itself there. She will let it. Let those hooked arms get stuck there in the hearty lump of muscle and fat. Mother plans for remaining eyes. They can go off the slope together, and it can die blind and broken beneath her. Only the cubs matter now. Each enemy is so preoccupied with their attack, neither looks to the side. Elk can still gallop despite his wound, and now he blazes past Mother and Upstart. The rising sun shines high behind his antlers, turning his crown into a pillar of white flame. He leaps over fallen logs, lands bleeding in pain, charges on and lowers his deadly points. Antlers meet flesh and the creature's head is sliced open on impact. Elk keeps moving, driving the buzzing, squealing thing on his antlers back over the gully. Limbs scrabble for purchase but find only open air. The antlers burst out the creature's back flooding the ground with more foul blood. The creature lets out a final cry of pain and goes still. Hanging off Elk's antlers, it looks no more dangerous than any other prey. Elk shakes his head and lets the creature tumble down the slope. Mother remains ready to attack as Elk retreats from the edge. One of his larger antlers has broken off inside the creature, but there is still enough to do damage. Only Elk's eyes meet Mother's, and both Predator and Prey come to a new understanding. This time of sleep, with her cubs still growing, mother should make a meal of him. Only that was the old way. Something went wrong, and the world both knew has changed forever. 
There will be plenty more killing in the wood, but Elks and Mothers is done. She hurries upstart back into the den, pushing his rump with her nose. She is too weak to carry him. He still does not understand, but he and youngest will have time. If Mother can help it, her cubs will live on. Upstart and youngest are nearly old enough to survive without her and her milk. Mother hopes so, at least. The hope will have to be enough. Mother's vision darkens despite the brightening morning. Upstart mules from inside the den, and Mother growls a final warning to her offspring. He heeds her and snuggles against youngest for warmth. There's little else left to do. Mother leaves. The wood remains quiet for her. The birds no doubt fled while Mother and her cubs slept. She leaves the shrouded safety of her trees and comes to the endless plain. As a cub, she was taught to fear such a place. There is no need for fear any longer. More two legs lie dead in the dirt, their bodies frozen. More fires burn in the sky beyond. More of the creature's kind lie here, too. The two legs rolling, snorting beasts are now silent. The creatures lay burning or bleeding, some half in mighty machines of their own. One enemy old, the other new. Even the two legs with their sly ways could only bring down some. Mother walks on till she comes to a wide river. She found a good mate here once. Before that she learned to catch salmon as a cub. Things had been easy before the two legs came. Now something had come for them. The river is where her life began. Mother can feel it. This is the right spot. The sun fully emerges from the clouds its own nightly hibernation done. Mother settles into the bloody snow on the plain, feeling cold for the last time, and rests. Upstart smells the burning creature beyond the slope. It will trouble him no more, but Mother is gone. Youngest sleeps on despite the strange smells, sounds, and sights that occasionally pass by the den. Weird whistles echo through the air, met with growls of rage, howls of pain, and bugles of triumph. Other times the whole world is silent. Fire fills parts of the sky. The very wood is at war. Upstart calls for mother sometimes, but she never comes. He and youngest are on their own now. Upstart closes his eyes and goes back to the long sleep with youngest, unsure of what world awaits them upon waking. There you go, a big thank you to John Wolf. John, thank you so much indeed, and Anthony. Anthony, it, honestly, thank you so much. The, the work you put forward is fantastic. Thank you indeed. So I did remember what that what that was, that second little thing. Obviously, now, you know, Disney has bought the kind of franchise of every kind of media company in the world. And, you know, I was talking about WandaVision. Well, I loved that. I just didn't get it, didn't see it coming in the end, realised what was going on, what a great concept. They're obviously churning them out now, and now there's like the, the, I think it's the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and nah, not at all, not at all. It's just, for God's sake, man, cheer up, have a bit of life in it, a bit of soul. It's just like two-dimensional, linear, pathetic, character-driven, oh, drivel, honestly, man, what a... They're just like, it's like, 
they go so moody, and it's just like, yeah, man, you know what I mean? Just lighten the mood a bit, put a bit of fun in it, man. That's why, you know, some films work and some don't, but this is just not working at all. Didn't like it, I haven't watched it, I'll watch it, but just not getting this at all. Nothing like WandaVision. Anyway, there you go. Until next week, I've said me a bit there. Until next week, look after yourself. Take good care. Good night from me. Thank you for listening. I don't get out much. I've barely left the ground. I'm tuning in to your transmissions. I'm When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. To the moon, but the work is going slowly. It won't get to you anytime soon. Can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio. I want to talk to you. This signal's going light speed. By the time I get my say, I might already be on to you and on my way. But you're so far from here. And at best, I'm moving slow. So I'm waiting on your call at home with nowhere to go. Can you reach me? 
signal getting through Turn on your radio I want to talk to you I want to talk to you Myself on a radio wave, I might get to you someday. If books were rocket ships, I'd need only the will to fly. I'm still building word by word, and I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there. 